Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! All right, opening the 5 o'clock hour with it. Here we go. It is our last hottest ticket qualifier for tonight's Game 5. We've got to do this quick because the game's in two hours. Jessica Krause from Surprise. Jessica Krause. You have 10 minutes to call. 602-260-9870. If we don't hear from Jessica, we'll open up the phone lines 10 minutes from now. Qualify somebody else. I'm sure we'll be doing this the next round if the Suns advance past the Clippers tonight. But for right now, we are focused on Jessica Krause from Surprise. You have 10 minutes to call. 602 260-9870. You will be a qualifier to win tickets for tonight's Game 5. 602-260-9870. What do you think about that, Gambo? I hope it's not a surprise, and I hope she calls in. <laughs> so wins. Please, please. I hope I hope you win, Jessica. Good luck to you. And if not you, we'll get another a chance qualifier. to see something that hasn't been done in 16 years. As we preview tonight's game, that is the crux of it. You have a chance to see something that hasn't been done in 16 years. What is that? That's the Phoenix Suns clinching a playoff series at home. The last time it happened, the Phoenix Suns beat the L.A. Lakers on May 2nd, 2007. Gambo, this is how long ago that was. May 2nd, 2007, the Suns eliminate the Lakers at home. The very next series, Robert Ory hip-checks Steve Nash. Wow. Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire come off the bench to support their guy, and they're suspended. That was the series. The Suns haven't won a playoff series at home since Boris and Amari were suspended for coming off well, the bench. I know. The Spurs. And, and do you remember who was public enemy number one in this town? Yeah, David Stern. David Stern. Listen to the palaver. Oh, yes. David I Stern. Remember very, very well. And it was like, man, you know, they, they you know, Duncan took a step. Like, they didn't really do anything, just supporting their guy. And, uh, you know, it was, it made Stern public enemy number one. It was that rivalry with the Spurs. So you felt like the championship got taken away from you. Yeah. You did. You felt like, man, it does seem like, man, that was a long, long time ago. I, I'll tell you, quick, a long time ago. quick side story to that. And, and I, we'll talk about Suns Clippers, I swear, here in 30 seconds. Man, every time I think about that series, at the time, I was doing Diamondbacks post-game shows, so I wasn't really going to the arena, and I really wasn't doing anything else other than Diamondbacks post-game shows. I just remember watching that game at home in my bedroom, and when the game was over, the Suns won, and I just remember Charles Barkley on TNT that night saying, man, great win for the Phoenix Suns, but I'm telling you all right now, they're going to suspend Amari and Boris. It's the rule that can't be broken, and I just remember the pit in my stomach that night when I went to bed, and the next morning when I woke up, Charles Barkley's voice just ringing in my ears. Suns fans, I'm telling you, nice win, good job. You're going to lose two of your key guys for the next game. They're going to get suspended. And just being nauseous about that for days until Stern came out with his ruling. That's all I'll ever remember. And do you remember how close they were to winning that next game? I do. I do. Yeah. Right? I I mean, they just ran out of gas at the end, but they almost won that thing. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the here and the now. So, yes, the Suns have not won a series, clinched the series at home since that moment. They eliminated the Blazers on the road, the Spurs on the road. Two years ago, it was the Lakers, the Nuggets, and the Clippers all on the road. Last year was the Pelicans on the road. What 
it's it's kind of a, a a trite conversation starter. What's the key to getting this done tonight? What, what what has to happen for them to get this done tonight? Well, I think they just got to go out there and, you know, they're going to be home. The crowd's going to be going crazy. They might have campaign back. They've been the better team. They've won. They won on the road in L.A. I mean, the L.A. shorthanded. You, they're going to win. The Suns will win this game. I just, you know, do, is it easy? Is it hard? I think that part of it, honestly, Burnsy, is that the Clippers, man, they gave it everything they had in games three and four. Like, everything they had with the hope that, you know, maybe by prolonging the series, we'll get Kawhi back. I mean, you know, and then you lose game two and you lose game three. And they're heartbreaking losses because you played so hard and you were in those games right up until the final minutes and you weren't able to win it. I just don't know if they're going to have anything left to give. I mean, I think at some point you realize you're not going to win the series. And I think that's now. I mean, you're not, they're not winning three games in a row, two of them in Phoenix. Like, you get to that point where you kind of realize it. And I think up until game four, like, there was still the belief that let's just even this thing, win this game, and then, you know, let's just hope that we can get Kawhi back. Even if you get him back for game seven, if you could lose in Phoenix and you go down 3-2, but then you win in L.A. And I just think that that's over now. I think to a man, they know that they're not going to win. So I think once the Suns, you know, punched him in the mouth, I think that might be it. And you know what? That's exactly how I was thinking about tonight's game, too. That's why I think even though I'd like to see the bench play well, we've got the poll question, and it's a good one today. What are you kind of hoping to see tonight? I I think it's very important for the Suns to get off to a good start tonight. Not just because they haven't so far this series, because they haven't, but also because I think if you get off to a really good start, whatever shred of will is left in the LA Clippers, you will rob them of that if you get off to a good start. I mean, because they, they like you say, they know. They know they're not winning the series. They know Kawhi's not coming back. They know Paul George isn't coming back. Paul George actually met with the media today during a Clippers shoot-around and said, look, I knew all along this was kind of a six-week injury. Paul George ain't walking through that door. Kawhi Leonard ain't walking through that door. And without those two guys, you're not beating the Suns, and I think they know that. I think one strong push in the first half of tonight's game, one giant punch to the gut, and the Clippers will know, and and they'll know, and their their brains will go into Cancun mode, and they'll go into gone fishing mode, and they'll start thinking about you know how down on the luck they are because they didn't have Kawhi. I think that's all it's going to take. So if they can get off to a good start. I don't think there's going to be much drama with tonight's game. Yeah, I expect Russ is you know Russ is playing for a contract. He's a free agent. You know he's he he is kind of like reworked his image with how well he's played. Agreed. A lot of people are just raving about him. I mean, man, you had Kevin Durant and Chris Paul talking about him after the game was over. You had Paul George today. We want to bring him back. We want to bring him back um, in some some sound that I heard from Paul George earlier today. So I think for him, it's he'll continue to play really hard, but it does. you do get to a point where you realize, okay, you're just not going to win. I think that point is now. I mean, if they could have split in L.A., uh, you know, for them, it's, you know, Kawhi's hurt. And like, okay, maybe because they won game one with Kawhi. And for a while, I think you feel like, okay, let's just, you know, let's just keep, give us a chance if maybe we get Kawhi back. But Kawhi's not coming back. And obviously, Paul's on a six-week. He's not coming back. So we'll see. I think they'll come out. They'll try to play hard. I expect the Suns will win the first quarter for the first time. They haven't done that yet this in this series. And then I expect at some point that the, I think it'll be a lot easier of a game than what we've seen in the previous four. I hope so. I hope you're right. Um, I think one thing the Clippers are definitely trying to do going into this game is they're trying to get some calls to go their way. The, the L.A. Clippers 
Harper's official Twitter account tweeted out this little nugget that it's, you know, Russell Westbrook had 37 points in game four. It's only the second time in playoff history that a guy has had that many points without attempting one free throw. I would imagine the Clippers kind of behind the scenes and a little more even public than that have made known their unhappiness about the calls that they didn't get and, you know, like kind of playing the game like the Suns play, like every team plays, you know, the the mental games of trying to get the referees to notice things that they weren't calling before. I don't think it's going to make a difference tonight. I think you might see Westbrook get a few more calls to go his way because of sort of the politicking and the campaigning going on. That's really the only difference I expect tonight. If the Suns starters can get off to a good start, then I think that sets up the bench to play a little bit better. And I'm looking forward to campaign, seeing what he had. I don't know if he's going to play a lot tonight, given that he's missed so much time, but I do think he could give a little burst of energy to that that second unit that maybe they've been lacking for in terms of a scoring punch. Yeah, because they are the least scoring team bench-wise in the playoffs. I mean, nobody's scoring less than them. Um, the top team in the West, I think, is Sacramento. They've scored about 100 more points from their bench than what the Suns have gotten from there. So maybe you could ask them to add some scoring punch. Look, every game they play is just another game to play together and figure it out. Because there are still some people that feel like, okay, this isn't going to work in the end. I mean, they're one-dimensional. All they do is shoot mid-range jumpers. They really don't go to the rim that much. And they don't, they're not a good three-point shooting team. And But there is, a, you know, the, the more they play, the more rhythm they get in trying to figure it out. Like Because they got three guys who are pretty ball-dominant. Okay, and that's that is hard to that takes time to figure out. You know, we talk about two ball dominant guys. Well, you've got three ball dominant guys. How how does that work? Because, you know, two of those guys are going to have to be without the ball for for a lot of possessions on every single possession. Yep. Congratulations to Jessica. She called in on time. She did. No surprise here. She made it. She has now qualified to win a pair of tickets for tonight's game to see the Suns and the the Clippers. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, I asked Gambo yesterday if there's a team that scared him in the NBA's Western Conference after last night's Lakers game. Does he care to change his answer? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talks Suns Clippers. Now. All right, two things real quick for everybody out there here on Burns and Gambo. Thing number one, we did the drawing during the commercial break. Congratulations to our hottest ticket grand prize winner, Valente Barrera. Qualified during the Bickley and Murata show. So congratulations to Valente going to the game tonight. Thing number two. According to Kevin Zimmerman from ArizonaSports.com, he's down there at the arena. It's official. Campaign is available tonight. All right, there we go. Green light to play. Here comes the big bench moments for the Phoenix Suns. The big bench game, Gambo. Here it comes. 50 points in four games. 50 points in four games. Here it comes, Gambo. Yes. They played 72 hours of basketball. They have 50 points. It's, it's, and it's. Listen, I don't think, and I do think it's hard when you're playing with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton to get the ball and be like, I'm going to be a scorer. You know? Yes, it is hard. Um, it's hard to be, I'm going to be a scorer. It's like, man, I'm going to give the ball to that guy. Now, Torrey Craig has been, re- Torrey's in his starting lineup. So a little different, right? If Torrey was coming off the bench. But it's not just that, it's so different because it's not just that Torrey Craig is going to get the open shots. 
there's always going to be two guys out there. It's good. They're going to double somebody if you move the ball around before they get in rotations. It's you're going to get open shots. Guys are going to get. Chris Paul has had wide open shots. He's hit. Kevin Durant has had wide open shots that he's hit. Believe it or not, even Devin Booker at times has had wide open shots. So it's not like Tory Craig's the only guy that's getting open looks. No, not at all. No, he, he's there are others. And, and in defense of the bench, uh, and I, I get it, the points haven't been there. I do think the last couple of games, Josh Okogie's given them really, really good minutes off the bench. Maybe it hasn't resulted in scoring. I think he's given them good minutes off the bench. I think Damian Lee gave him good minutes in Game 3. I, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's just, it really is more just a reflection, I think, of the way this team is kind of structured. And I do think also that, it, that, that part of the reason... Part of the reason why the bench kind of struggled a little bit is that every time they came into the game, at least in the first half, they were kind of coming into a game where the Suns were trailing or the Suns were tied, where the Suns starters didn't get off to a good start, and that didn't that didn't really set them up for a ton of success either. And I don't think campaign's going to solve everything, but I do think it'll certainly help that he's back tonight. Now, um, yesterday, we were recapping the NBA weekend. Uh, and we were recapping kind of the first week of the NBA playoffs. We were one weekend, and I asked you the question, okay, who out West has scared you? Who You've watched all these games, so have I. Who out West has really grabbed your attention and said, ooh, they're a threat, they're a problem. That's something you're going to have to deal with. In the moment you said Denver and I agreed with you, after what the Lakers did to Memphis last night, do you want to change your answer? Is it the Lakers? No, I still think Denver, right? I haven't believed in the Lakers, but in watching you know, them play in the playoffs, LeBron and AD have been healthy. They've definitely gotten their, their role players have been really good. Re- Austin Reeves has helped them. See, I think the Lakers are a little different than the Suns with, you know, with four key players. The Lakers need their role players because it's LeBron AD, and then there's not really like a clear-cut number three. So they need Hashimura. They need Reeves. They need D'Lo and Vanderbilt. They need those guys to play well to support LeBron and AD. So I think that, like to me, they're different in, in what they need out of their role players than what the Suns are and what they need out of the Suns' role players. I agree. It's different. Uh, and It's different. Mm-hmm. And and I'll give their role players a lot of credit. They are asked to do more, and they've done it. Uh, they, they've And not just in this series, but really since they were all acquired. I mean, the, the Lakers yeah. really kind of did like the old poker thing, right, where you keep the one ace and you turn the four cards back in and you basically kind of reset your hand halfway through. That's kind of what the Lakers did at the trade deadline. I mean, they, they kept their two aces in LeBron and Anthony Davis and kind of restructured everything around those two dudes and it it has worked it has worked really really well Austin Reeves has been a revelation Rui Hachimura keeps getting it done night in and night out um and they are I it's just if, if we're asking the question like who's the threat I mean there's a couple things you nobody wants to look past Denver we're not looking past Denver we're having a conversation because you look at the whole West in its entirety Denver's going to be a, a supreme challenge for the Suns this is not the same team the Suns eliminated in four games two years ago and nobody should go around doing the Suns in four thing because it's just not going to happen this time around with the Nuggets and how good they are but if you really believe the Suns have the stuff to win the West you do kind of have a tendency to take a look around a little bit, right? And kind of take yeah. a peek and mm-hmm. go, okay, where are the threats and who are you worried about? I will admit 
because of LeBron and the success that he's had in the postseason, they are a threat. How much of a threat, I don't know yet. But I think you have to put them in the threat category because of LeBron and everything he's achieved yeah. in, in the and postseason. On AD. AD. I mean, Anthony Davis is averaging 20 points and, and like 12 and a half rebounds in these four games. He's been healthy. But like if, like if you say, okay, LeBron and AD are there clear too. Hashimura, Reeves, and, and D'Lo, all three of those guys are averaging between like 14 and 18 points. All three of them. So they're getting major contributions. They're playing about nine guys because they play Vanderbilt, they play Dennis Schroeder, they play Troy Brown, they play Malik Beasley. So they're like playing nine guys. But the, you know, like to say who's their clear number three, on one night it could be Reeves, another night it could be Hashimura, it could be D'Lo. Like those three guys have all kind of stepped up and it's been a, good. I mean, yeah. you've seen Hashimura do it, you've seen Reeves do it, we've seen D'Angelo Russell actually play well, so that's the thing with them. I think that they're getting, they're getting, their supporting cast has been really good. I mean, it's this series against Memphis, and I mean, D'Lo in the last two games, in the, in the, in the four game series, D'Angelo Russell, and you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his. He's got 19 in one game, 17 in another, and 17 in another. So he's contributing, right? He's contributing, you know, with the ability to, to take some of the scoring load off of LeBron and AD. But so is Hashimura, and so is Reeves. Yeah, those three threes that he hit last night were absolutely. Absolutely huge. Look, my hope as a Suns fan is because uh, I think it's going to be the Warriors advancing past the Kings. I wouldn't have thought that 24 hours ago, but then we found out that De'Aaron Fox has a fractured index finger on his shooting hand. Now he's going to try to play through it, according to the reports, according to his own statement. He's going to try to play through it tomorrow night, but if his effectiveness is limited, that could be problematic for the Kings. My hope is that if it's the Lakers and the Warriors in the second round, I hope they beat the hell out of each other for seven games. And I hope that whoever comes out of that series is exhausted and tired and worn out and been, you know, worked to the nub and they don't have that much left because I, both of those teams I would find to be a threat. Both of those teams would make me nervous depending on which one the Suns potentially would face in the next round. Of course, Suns got to hold up their end of the bargain and get past Denver. And again, that's not going to be easy. But if it is going to be the Lakers and the Warriors in the next round, um, man, I hope it's just a uh, just a knockdown, drag out war that takes seven games and wears them both the hell out. That's my hope, anyway. Yeah, and you could get that. You know, you could get that. You know, if if it's, I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Minnesota. So it's either Golden State, Sacramento, or the Lakers. And again, I know you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but the road to the NBA Finals is going to have to go through Denver. They got the home court. Now, the interesting thing is if Sacramento gets knocked out and the Suns are able to win, the Suns will have home court in the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers can't have it over them. Golden State can't have it over them. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Sacramento gets knocked out. Now, and that's be careful what you wish for. Would you rather have Sacramento wins and then you don't have home court, or Sacramento loses and you? Get home court, but you may get the Warriors. Look, so I, I'm, I'm past the days of looking past Sacramento. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. I, I like I knew early in the you know when we were getting ready for the postseason. I was talking about wanting Sacramento. I feel like those days are gone. That they're good. They're really really good. I I they would be just as much of a problem for the Suns as the other two teams would. I really believe that. Yeah, I don't. I, I like them. I mean, I like them. I oh, mean, they they, they should have yeah. won. They really could have won that game four, man. If Harrison Barnes knocks down that shot, they're up three one and about to eliminate them now. You know the the Fox injury is. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. And the other factor is just Golden State. Like, great, they won the two games at home. They evened up the series. They can't win on the road. Yeah. 
Like they haven't proven th- th- their the ability to be to be able to win road games this entire year. As always, you can text us your thoughts here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We'll read some of the best ones on the air right off of the FanDuel text line. Text us at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, if and this is a big if, if the Cardinals want one of the best defensive players in this year's draft, how far could they trade down? and still get one of the best defensive players in this year's draft? We'll try to answer that question next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, two days away, 48 hours, and we'll start to get some answers for the Arizona Cardinals in the 2023 draft, what their plans are. As we mentioned earlier in the show, the um, we almost laugh now at these stories that suggest oh here's the bold prediction for the 2023 draft the Titans are going to trade with the Cardinals at number three man that ain't bold <laughs> that ain't bold that's sorry. the norm sorry that's what we're, we're expecting something like that at this point I'm expecting a trade with the Raiders at seven the Falcons at eight the Titans at eleven the Lions at six the Colts at four right I mean yes the, the bold thing would be to stay there and do nothing. That, that's that's or stay there and take a player. That's the that's the bold thing at this point. There have been so much speculation about trading this pick, and what was it? McShay said yesterday they're borderline desperate to move the number three pick overall. And it'd be a shock if they didn't make a trade at this point. I think we're all anticipating some kind of move, aren't we? You know, he, is, is there anything you would hate? Because look, with all these drafts, everybody gets a B, B plus, A, A minus. I mean, there's not how many drafts where people are like, oh, that's a terrible hey, Mel Kiper loves everybody like he loves everybody <laughs> everybody that's ever played college football he loves that guy that guy's gonna be great everybody you know McShay's not that far behind him but these 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 talent evaluators like they love everyone now everyone's not gonna be good um and obviously, when the draft gets over, you sit there and people grade the draft. And, oh, this team got... You, know, you go back and look at the Kyler Murray draft, in which the Cardinals have no players left from that draft except for Kyler. I mean, everybody gave the Cardinals you know, glow, a glowing review after that one or a glowing report after that one. So, with that being said, we know two things. One, well, we know one thing. We're not going to freaking know. Like, we're not going to know if this is a good draft class or not. We, you know, we may be able to talk about, like, the positional depth that they got of what they need. Needed, which we can do. I mean, last year we criticized the fact that their first pick was a tight end because why the hell do you need a tight end? You just <laughs> paid Zach Ertz and you've got uh, Max Williams and like you like you're good, like you're good at tight end. Um, so with that being said, I think we could sit there and say, is there anything out there that we wouldn't like? Is okay. there anything that you would absolutely hate that they would do? I thought about two things. Two things I would hate. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Here are my two things I would hate if the Arizona Cardinals did the draft. Uh, hate thing number one would be is if they move out of the top 10, let's say Tennessee at number 11, and they don't secure two extra future first round picks. Three I total. Hate. I would hate it. I would three total. Okay. So, so right off the bat, they trade out of the top 10. They move down pretty far. They go down at least eight spots. Yep. You want them to have not only the Tennessee pick, but two future firsts. Yep. I would. Or hate you're not doing it. I would hate it if it's anything else. Okay. I, I really want. I would hate it. I'd be like, come well, on, guys. Really? What's two? Number two is if the Arizona Cardinals drafted 
this guy, and I'm being dead serious when I say this. Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas. The Tucson native surely made the local college regret not having him in their backfield. Robinson ran all over Big 12 competition this past season, reaching the end zone 18 times in 12 games. His success netted him the Doak Walker Award for college's best running back, and he was a consensus All-American. Despite his small frame, he runs with a combination of balance and control, only adding to his ability to evade defenders. And if you need him to catch a ball out of the backfield, he's got you there too. NFL Comp, Hall of Famer and former Colts and Cardinals running back, Edgerin James. I would hate it. <laughs> okay, there you go. I, a running back in the top 15? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. All right, so that's not something you would like. <laughs> what, would, what would you hate? What would you If hate? they took a cornerback at number three. A corner. A corner. So Christian I Gonzalez just keep at thinking, number three I, or Devin Witherspoon at number I, three. I, would lose my, I might lose my mind. Wow, okay, tell me why. Oh, this is good. This is interesting. 2020 NFL draft. Where's Jeff Okuda right now? Hey, he's not on the Detroit Lions. Not on Detroit Lions. Where's C.J. Henderson? Uh, he's not with he's his not on the Jaguars. Yeah, no, he's not. No, he's not. Like, those guys, C.J. Henderson, Jeff Okuda was the third overall pick in the draft. He sucks. Okay? C.J. Henderson was uh, top ten. Like, he was top two great corners in this draft. Okay, neither one of those guys are any good. I, I'm leery of cornerbacks that high you've got to get up you got to get defensive linemen edge rushers defensive tackles even an offensive lineman I, I i don't mind the christian gonzalez kid i don't want him at three man i i would if they took a corner at three i might lose my mind okay you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna follow your lead and come up with thing i would hate number three and i okay, me I, another one. I mentioned this yesterday on the show staying at three and taking an offensive lineman just because i don't, I don't think there's value in that i i think there's right. Right, that's I bad. I don't think there's value in taking a guy at three that you could get at eight, you know, or taking a guy at three that you could get at six. Now, obviously, those trades have to materialize. You can't just make a trade because you want to. You got to find someone to make a trade with. And and if you can't find a willing partner, I was listening to um, Peter King. He was on Wolf and Luke's show today, and and he he said that one general manager told him that trading up in this year's draft might not be as prevalent because there aren't obvious guys to trade up for. Like there aren't like, oh, I got to go get this guy. I got to go get that guy that those guys might not exist for the Cardinals to find a trade partner to move down with. Like I got to, which is why I think that if CJ Stroud is there at number three, I think the Cardinals are going to have ample opportunity to move out of number three. Because I, I, I just think someone's going to come get him. I don't care how he did on that cognitive S2 test that he apparently bombed at. I think if C.J. Stroud is sitting there at three, the Cardinals will have plenty of opportunities to move. I just don't want them taking a player at three yeah. that they could have made a move for and still gotten at eight and picked up extra assets. I, I would hate that, too. So Stroud had the lowest score, 18%. Bryce Young scored the highest at 98 so the test scores got leaked. Yes. I don't know why, but they got leaked. They always do. The score on the S2 cognitive test. Um, it's the draft quarterback prospects that they got. They got like they got released. Mm-hmm. So the test it kind of replaced the Wonderlick test. It's got nine different segments. They're all graded separately. Um, 
Did you ever take one of those? What were the tests that you would take in school? Like, like the ACT, ACT or the SAT? Yeah, I guess SAT. I took, okay, I'm just, yeah, I took I took. I took none of those tests. I wasn't going to college. I had the second highest score in the entire high school on my ACT. You what? Yeah, I had the second highest score in the entire high school on my ACT. Who had a higher score than you? Uh, her name was Stacy. She, she killed him. Stacy. Stacy. Stacy had the she had the highest ACT score. I, I scored a thirty-one. Did you know Stacy's mom? Score. <laughs> I got a laugh out of you. <laughs> yeah, I knew Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. <laughs> I don't know if she had it going on or not. Yeah. <laughs> the kid was pretty smart, so the Stacy's mom might have had it going on. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh my god, I got tears streaming down my face with the. I tell my wife I'm funny all the time. She doesn't believe me. Like, I tell my wife all the time, like, I'm actually kind of funny. Like, it's sneaky funny, but I'm kind of funny, and she just doesn't buy it. Oh, God, that's funny. She should listen to the show more. Like she Stacey should, right? Is, uh, your wife? Oh, I, I, no. Chelsea I, should listen to the I show think more. Chelsea yeah. listens. To the I mean, show, Mitch, she? don't you think I'm like I'm kind of funny? Yeah, you got me good with that one. I was thinking yeah. of the same joke too. Yeah. I didn't know if it was appropriate to say or not. Yeah, like it was funny. Like I, my wife, yeah. like I, I tell her all the time, like pretty funny. Like I got a good sense of humor. She's like, no, you don't. Listen, like, I, listen to the lyrics of that song, and it it doesn't age very well. <laughs> it really, you know, it's still it's still a rocking song, and it's got a real good hook and a real good beat and all that stuff. But if you if you listen to the lyrics of it, it's like Ooh, Look, either way, it was clear that Stacy was not the girl for you. No, 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 she, no, she wasn't. No, because she, she got a better ACT score than I did. Yeah. So anyway, you're, you're, I'm sorry. Your my point, point is that like, like his score is freaking terrible. Like, I mean, Bryce Young scores a 98, and he scores an 18. percent I mean, and the, 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 it, it tracks multi. You know, you you you, you got to track multiple objects. You got to make these complex decisions. You got to filter through it and d- defensive scenarios and this ability to improvise. It's a 45 minute test, and they. They run through a gaming laptop, and they, they, they measure your ability to dissect information quickly. I yes. mean, that's what you're trying to do. He didn't score very well. And then it gets leaked, and you wonder, like, is that going to prevent somebody from wanting to give up the farm to go get him if he's sitting there at number three? I hope not, because I, I do think he might be the key to the, to the Cardinals being able to move down and have those options. When we come back, one last look at tonight's Game 5 between the Suns and the Clippers with the news when it comes to that. And that is that he is back. Is he going to be the spark plug for a Suns bench that has been lacking a little spark so far this series? We'll talk about it next, coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Lots on tonight. Games that we're going to watch this evening. And it's brought to you by Global Credit Union. 12 branches here to serve you. Become a member today at globalcu.org. Got Suns Clippers coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Obviously, that's and Diamondbacks baseball taking on the Royals. Those are the two main things when it comes to the locals tonight. The Suns are at 7 o'clock. The Diamondbacks are at 640 against Kansas City. Both games are in downtown Phoenix. So if you haven't left by now. Oh, exactly. If you if you haven't left by now, get in the car and go. Just go right now because it's going to be a mess down there. But um, both of those are on tonight. And then the NBA action tonight. 
Two other potential elimination games tonight, and the Celtics at halftime are doing just that. They're only up eight over the Hawks. 66-58 is the score at halftime. With a win, Boston will eliminate Atlanta and advance to the next round. Also tonight at six, the Nuggets taking on Minnesota. Denver's up three games to one with a win there. They would advance to the next round where presumably they would play the Suns. And once again, I'll bring this up one more time. Um, If the Nuggets win tonight and the Suns win tonight, game one between Denver and Phoenix will be on Saturday in Denver. Any other outcome, Minnesota wins, Clippers win, whatever, that series, the earliest it would start would be Monday. So we'll know tonight whether it's going to be Saturday or whether it's going to be Monday for the Suns and the Nuggets, assuming it's going to be the Suns and the Nuggets. All right. I'll, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I think Milwaukee comes back and beats Miami. I, my friend, totally agree with you. I think they're going to they're going to win at home. Yep. That'll make it 3-2. They'll win on the road and the NBA is going to want game 7 and they're going to get it. So I think Milwaukee I think Milwaukee will beat Miami. Even though they're down three one, I think I, I, it'd be great for the Suns if Milwaukee gets knocked out. Fantastic because, if Milwaukee. I mean, I don't out. think I don't think that anybody in the West could beat the Suns. I mean, I don't think they will. I mean, I think they could, but I don't think they will. But I think the two biggest threats are number one Milwaukee, number two Boston. Yep, but I, I, I think I think Milwaukee's a bigger threat than Boston. When I saw that game last night, I thought, despite the fact that they're down three one, I, I I think the way and I would feel differently about it if. Oladipo weren't hurt, or if Hero weren't hurt, or some of the main guys, you know, I, I, I just the Heat. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish the deal against Giannis. I just don't. I'll believe that Giannis is out when I see that Giannis is out. I just don't know if the Heat are going to. I hope they do. Boy, getting them out would be such a benefit for the Suns. Such a benefit. I hope it happens. We'll see. So tomorrow's going to be nuts in the NBA. I, I keep saying this, but man, tomorrow. Okay, you got Knicks, Cavs. Knicks are up three games to one. Then you got game five between the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Game five between the Heat and the Bucks. Game five between the Warriors and the Kings. Man, just block off the schedule right now for tomorrow night's NBA action because I think it's going to be an electric, did electric you, night tomorrow. Did you see this? The Kings-Warriors game four recorded the largest television audience for a first-round NBA playoff game in 21 years. I didn't see that. I didn't see yep. that. It averaged 7.5 million viewers. It peaked at 10.4 million. It was the most watched first round game since April 28, 2002, when the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq faced the Portland Trailblazers. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. Crazy. Sacramento and Golden State, 21 years since they've been a television audience like that in the first round. All right, let's quickly update the latest on the Suns and the Clippers. And as we've been saying all show long, I'll say it again one last time, Phoenix Suns have a chance to do something that they haven't done in 16 years, and that is eliminate an opponent in the playoffs at home. It hasn't happened since May 2nd of 2007 when they eliminated the L.A. Lakers to advance to the next round to play the Spurs. That was the series where Boris and Amari came off the bench. It's been that long since the Suns have eliminated a team in the playoffs at home. They could do that tonight with a win. They are getting campaign back. Uh, Reports are confirmed that he is available. He will be on a minute's restriction. But the hope is that he'll give the bench a little bit of life tonight. 
with him returning to the Suns bench. Yeah, don't know. You know, hasn't played a whole lot, so minutes restriction makes sense. But get him out there. He's a spark plug. He's a he's a guy that could drive to the basket and maybe alleviate you know some of the pressure on other guys. I mean, the Suns have had a really hard time getting points from their bench in four games. They've got fifty total points. That's the lowest in the NBA for all the playoff teams. So they're not getting much production offensively. Campaign is a guy that he'll he'll shoot the three. He'll drive to the basket. So he may give them an element of, of scoring that they've kind of locked. All right, let's get you ready for tonight's Diamondbacks game. Let's get you ready with D-backs on deck. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Game two of the series between the D-backs and the Kansas City Royals tonight coming up in just under an hour as the Diamondbacks won last night by a score of 5-4. to four. Nick Ahmed's little cue shot down the first baseline, able to score Christian Walker, and the Diamondbacks rallied in that game to win. It was Tommy Henry's first start of the 2023 season. Uh, Diamondbacks made a roster move today. Jake McCarthy was sent down to Reno. Uh, Rivera was called up to take his place, presumably more Paven Smith, given that he's been swinging a hot bat. Jake McCarthy has not been swinging a hot bat. It's been a real struggle for him, and today the Diamondbacks sent him down so he could get some work, Gambo. Yeah, he's got like one hit since like April 11th. He's really struggled. Struck out on three pitches against Araldis Chapman last night, and that's a tough ask because that's a that's a hard-throwing lefty, but did strike out on three pitches. Send him down. The plan is to get him back up. I mean, and, uh, you know, they, they still like him. He's just really struggling right now. And with him struggling and Alex Thomas struggling, they just can't have too many guys that are batting under 200. So they needed to send him down and give him some opportunities to, to get some at-bats and figure it all out. What's crazy in all this is that with kind of the uneven start, at least for the Diamondbacks in some regards, in a lot of different categories, they're a top 10 offense in Major League Baseball. Runs, hits, doubles. They're first in Major League Baseball in doubles. Triples, RB. Stolen bases, fewest strikeouts, highest average, highest slugging percentage. They're top 10 in all of those categories. So even though some of the guys haven't gotten off to the starts we would want, there's certainly been a level of productivity compared to at least everybody else in Major League Baseball. That's crazy. I mean, it, it is hard to believe. I mean, Corbin Carroll leads the team in home runs with four. But they are a doubles hitting team. And Marte's got seven doubles. Corbin's got, you know, I think seven doubles. They got a bunch of guys with, you know, five and six. So, you know, with the speed that they have, they could, they could like some of those out. So they are, they are very much a, a doubles hitting team. All right, your pitching matchup tonight for the D-backs and the Royals. Ryan Nelson gets the start for Arizona. The righty is 1-0 with an ERA hovering right around 5. His last time out was against the San Diego Padres. He gave up five earned runs and five innings pitched. Brady Singer, the righty for Kansas City, gets the start. He's 1-2 with an 8-1-4 ERA. Yeah, he got clobbered in his last start against the Rangers. I mean, he gave up five runs and Six hits, and uh, he walked three. And it's a guy that doesn't usually walk batters, but he did walk three and got clobbered by the Rangers. But he's got a reputation as being their stopper over the years. I mean, following a Royals loss, he is 14-10 and 10 in 41 appearances with an ERA of 3.72. Uh, so he's done a good job being that guy that follows up a Royals loss with a win. So has a good fastball, gets a lot of called strikes, 
And again, he's that guy that they turn to when they need a victory. All right, quickly, your MLB standings. They're presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Starting play today, the Arizona Diamondbacks remain in first place in the National League West with a 13-11 and record, a half game ahead of the L.A. Dodgers. Today's injury report brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. No change for the Arizona Diamondbacks among their injured players. And, of course, we gave you the update with Jake McCarthy being sent to Reno today. Not an injury, just being sent down. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. They like him as the Italian nightmare, Vinny Pasquantino. 18 straight games being on base. He's got the third longest active streak in the American League. Keep him off base. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns basketball is next. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.